Alright, welcome to tonight's um, very exciting teaching. And tonight I'm going to be dealing with a really exciting part of the gospel, and that is the power. Okay, we, we have been dealing with faith, and remember that I said that for, in order for you to have faith, you need the Word of God, Come on, you can remember, the Word of God, what's the next step? Number two, revelation. Number three, acceptance. I need to accept, okay, I need to accept that it has been given to me. And then number four, is I need to be able to sit down and start fighting that thing and saying, listen, I am going to speak what I've accepted. Let me give you an example. I am asking God for healing. The scripture I have is by his stripes I was healed. Okay, then I go and I meditate on that over and over until I get a revelation of it in my spirit, that that is real inside of me. Then I say, God, I accept my healing. I claim that healing. I make it my own. The Bible says that if you believe and you receive it, you will have it. Our problem is that often we don't receive it in God. We believe that it can be done, but we don't receive it. So I want you to know that when you take something from God and you're standing in faith, you need to receive it, and then you need to thank God for it, and you keep confessing that you have it. You sit down and say, that healing is mine. And if somebody asks you, how are you feeling? You go, I believe that I am healed. I believe that I am healed. And you continue with that until you see the physical manifestation and the evidence in your life. So when you see this happening, that is how you develop your faith. That is how faith works, okay? So tonight, I want to deal with something slightly different, and that is the power of God operating in your life. Because often, what happens is this, is we can trust God, but we've got to understand that when we speak those words, power is released. That power is the actual force that actually brings it from the spirit realm into the natural. Okay, the power of God has to be operating in this planet. And I want to deal with that tonight. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we read this, and a lot of these scriptures are well familiar to you, but I'm going to teach you some stuff that you might not have seen before. Okay, and it says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I want you to see, it says that you will receive power. Now that word power is the word dunamis. Now we get two words from the word dunamis. Dunamis, we get the word dynamite, explosive. Okay, the second one is dynamo. Now I want you to know that the power of God, what is a dynamo? It is self-contained power. It does not need an outside source. It's very important. You do not need an outside source. All the power of God is inside of you. I want you to understand that. All that God is going to ever do is already deposited inside of you. Now how do I get that power to start operating? Come on, how many of you want that when you speak a word, you speak the word with the power that's going to change something? When you sit down and lay hands, you want to lay hands and stuff happens. I don't want empty hands and empty heads with empty results. I want to touch somebody and the power of God hits them. You see, you can get so full of the power of God that everything around you is going to change. You look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was so full of the power of God and the anointing of God that the woman with the issue of blood pushed in and touched Him. Do you know that Jesus did not even release that power? She drew it out of Him. Jesus Christ had nothing to do with that miracle. That's awesome. 
Can you imagine somebody knowing that you got the power of God, comes and just wants to give you a hug because they want to draw from what you have inside of you. Can you imagine they sit down and say, I want what you got. You can go and say, but that's Jesus. No, we are the same as Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand that. Whatever Jesus did, we can do. Because when Jesus operated on this earth, He said that I came to demonstrate how to live. I came to show you. Jesus makes a statement. He says, you're going to do greater things than this. Now let me tell you, it's awesome when we realize that we can do exactly what Jesus Christ did. Which means that I can potentially have the power of God in my life to such a degree that people can demand it from me. That my shadow can heal people like Peter did. It was not Peter... Um, laying hands on somebody. It wasn't Peter, but he praying for somebody. Peter just walks past somebody and his shadow heals people. Do you know that there's stories of Catherine Kuhlman that she carried such an anointing that she'd walk into a normal um, hotel and people would be in their rooms all over and suddenly get healed in their rooms just because she walked into the building. They wouldn't even know her. They don't know anointing. They don't feel anything. All of a sudden, they just get saved. And all of a sudden, they just see that they got healed because of the power of God that she carried in her life. Now, that power is not limited to Catherine Kuhlman only. It is open and available for every single one of us. The problem that we have got is that we do not know how to tap into that power. We do not know how to release that power. We do not know how to get that thing activated in our life. Now, it's the most awesome thing when you can get to the place where you are activating that thing. Because when you've activated it in your life, you are going to see that you are going to start demonstrating a level of authority, a level of power that you have never seen in your life. How many of you want to learn how to get there? Okay? Before we get there, I want to just touch some things and I want to teach you how to let that power flow in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19, I want us just to... Turn there quickly, I want to show you some things. Chapter 4, verse 19. It says this, But I will come to you shortly. Okay, this is Paul speaking. I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Listen to this. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not word, but in power. How many times have you heard preachers, they preach something really special. They are brilliant orators. They can sit down and communicate something to you that you go, wow, awesome, that was lovely, oh great. But there's no power in it. Nothing changes in your life other than you feel good. I don't need that in my life. I don't need to feel good. I need to be changed. I need to sit down and have a demonstration of the power of God. And Paul says, I'm coming to you and I'm not going to just show you a lot of fancy words. I'm not going to give you a wonderful dissertation or a motivational speech. I am going to give you the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you the power. I'm going to demonstrate the power. And what does the power do in somebody's life? The power does a few things. Number one, it breaks the chains. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I have come to set the captive free. I have come to bring liberty. I have come to break the curse of poverty off you. And that is what the power of God is meant to do. The power of God is meant to bring you into a place where I'm much more 
sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What does it mean when I break bondages off you? And all, <coughs> excuse me, all these things. <coughs> Sorry, just give me some water please. It means a simple thing. When the power of God comes into your life and changes your life, it brings you into liberty. It brings you into freedom. Freedom into what? Freedom so that I can hear God. Freedom that I can follow God. Freedom that I can do what God tells me to do. Don't think it brings you back into freedom so that you can continue being bound by the devil. A lot of people think freedom is just being well. Let me give you an example. An unsaved guy gets saved, uh, gets, gets healed. And he goes, okay, well now I can carry on sinning. I can do this properly now. I was sick, I could only sin half pace. Now I'm well, I can do it properly. What was the fruit of everybody who got healed in Jesus' sick? The fruit was, they served Him with all their heart. And the first thing they did was they didn't shut up, they told everybody. You go read it. Whenever Jesus wanted a crowd, He'd heal somebody. And most times you say to them, hey, don't go tell anybody. And then what do they do? They go tell everybody. <laughs> Why? Let me tell you something. If you genuinely got a healing and a touch from God, you will go tell somebody. Your life will be so changed that you just can't shut up. And it doesn't take much, especially if like Lazarus who was dead and suddenly can walk around and go, okay, there's something happened here. The Bible says that that miracle caused such a stir that they wanted to kill Lazarus. And the religious folks said, listen, we've got to kill him because he's causing too much trouble here. Because now he's a testimony of somebody who was dead, now he's alive. So the, the religious folks said, well, let's rather just kill him. So I want you to know, when we speak about the power of God hitting your life and setting you free, it brings you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just an experience. It's not just a bondage-breaking thing so that I can go and sin again. It's so that I can serve God with a solid heart, with a freedom. And I can then allow that power to be demonstrated in my own life. Now the problem that the church has done is this, is, is that we have kept that to the preachers. We have kept that to the ministers and said, listen, ministers, you show the power. And let me tell you something, there are a lot of ministers who don't show the power anymore anymore. No. Come on, they don't. You sit down and go to church. I mean, listen, most of the time I'd rather watch a good rugby match than sit down to go through church. My kids will go through church and go, Oh, Dad, why did you haul me through this now? Okay, and I don't blame them, because they say, Dad, there's no power, there's no life, there's no, nobody getting set free. Nobody's even praying in tongues, let alone you know, clapping the devil. So I want you to know that we need to start seeing a demonstration of the power of God back in our lives. Now I want to tell you, that power that, can, that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, dwells in you. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. You've got that exact power that created this universe living inside of you. That is huge power that can be released. But most of us never tap into that. Most of us never get to that degree. I want us to go to one, uh, Colossians chapter 1. I'm giving you some scripture. There's so much that I could give you on this, but I don't want to give you too much at once. Alright, we've got lots of evenings. Pick it up again. Colossians. Everybody know where Colossians is? After Philippians. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. Listen to this. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working with, uh, sorry, according to his working 
which works in me mightily. That word mightily means power. Works in me in power. Okay, if you go look it up, it's the same word as power. So listen to this. It says, to this work, uh, end that I labor. In other words, Paul's busy working. Okay, he's working for Christ. He's doing what God wants him to do. Striving according to, to his working, according to what God wants, which works in me by his power. In other words, Paul's saying, I do what God wants me to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. That power is causing me to do what I have to do. I labor because of that power that's operating in my life. Now let me tell you, how many times we try and do that in our own strength. All we have to do is say, Holy Spirit, I release that power to do whatever has to be done. I release that power for that authority. I release that power for that anointing. I release that power for that person to be set free. That's what we need to do. In Acts chapter 10, I'm going to give you a few examples and then I'm going to teach you how to get that power. Acts chapter 10 Verse 38. And this is Jesus Christ. It says this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now remember, God, you can put your name in there. God can anoint all of us exactly the same way. Because remember, Jesus Christ was a man. Okay. Now it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now let me ask you this. How many people did Jesus heal? According to that scripture. All. All. He healed all those who were oppressed. There's many times when Jesus would go down and he would sit down and the Bible says and he healed the entire crowd. Now when Jesus had a crowd, it was not one or two people like we think. A little crowd, 20, 30, 40 people. No, Jesus was pushing 4,000, 5,000 odd people at a time. I mean, there were times when he would climb in a boat to get away from them, land on the other side, and there would be a crowd waiting for him. Or what would happen is you get to the other side, heal one oak, and then choo, there's a crowd. You must go and see what happens every time Jesus did something. And so the Bible says that he would heal all. Only times that he didn't heal everybody was when, remember when he said that he couldn't do many miracles in his own home because they, would, they didn't believe, and they sit down and go, well, who's this Jesus? I grew up with him. You know, they said, no, no, he can't be the God. So let me tell you something. God really moved in Jesus Christ. I want us to quickly jump back to Acts chapter 4. I want to give you a few Acts scriptures here. Three or four more, and then I want to demonstrate to you. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. It says, And with great the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them with great power as they gave the testimony of Jesus Christ the power of God would hit the people how do you know that remember when Peter stood up and preached in Acts chapter 2 and a whole lot of people got saved how many thousand got saved in Acts 2 quickly okay 3,000 people got saved in one message by Peter, one shot, because of the power of Jesus Christ in operation. He had got filled with the Holy Spirit, he got filled with power, he got the fire, he got out there, he started to preach, and as he preached, the power of God hit the place and everybody got born again. Now let me tell you something, that's how we should be operating. Wherever we go, we should be operating with power. When we speak, we should be releasing power into the atmosphere. And not just idle words. 
I need to see the power of God operating. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, I really believe that the reason why we're not seeing the power of God that we should is because we are not, I'm going to give you the keys now, we are not pushing into the keys that I'm going to give you. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, and then Stephen, listen to this, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs amongst the people. Yeah, you see, Stephen was doing mighty signs and wonders. Now, what's interesting is this. It gives two things there. It says that he had faith. Remember, I've taught you now how to get faith. And he had power. There were separate things that he had that he was noted for. I would love to be in a position like that, where I've been noted for faith, that I can trust God and call anything that I need, and also demonstrate the power of God wherever I go. That when I walk in there, let me tell you something, that every devil in hell knows that I've rocked up. Not because of my name, not because of who I am, but because I realize that I'm a son of God. I realize that I have that power inside of me. When I go into a room, that devil has got it by his knee, because of the power that is operating in my life. And all I have to do is release it. All I have to do is release it. Jesus Christ, all He had to do was release it. And wherever He went, the power of God just saturated the place and brought everything into place that should be there. Whether it was a storm, hey, be still. Whether it was a darn tree that wasn't bearing fruit, you're going to bear noble fruit. Clap it, your brother. That armor fig tree. That's always amazing. Any story in the Bible, do you know who always checks out what's going on? Peter. He's always oak. He's oak of God. Oh Lord, do you remember that victory that you cursed just now yesterday? You know, he's the oak that always reminds God about everything. He checks out everything, and that oak goes. Listen, I'm watching you. <laughs> Jesus says something. Oh, Peter's the first one. Go. Listen, I checked that out. What about that? You go read the Bible. You'll see Peter's the only disciple that confronts the Lord all the time. All right. Acts chapter eight. This is page over, verse thirteen. I want you to look at some of these apostles, and I want you just to see here. This is one thing that was demonstrated within them, uh, upon each one of these guys. It says, Then Simon himself also believed when he was baptized, and continued with, with Philip, and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Okay, and that was done by the power of God. What's very interesting is, amazed by the miracles. That word miracles is power. It's the same dunamis word. He says, and he was amazed by the dunamis that Peter was operating in. And the miracles were taking place. Wherever you see the word power, you must know there's an explosion into the spiritual world. There is an explosion that takes place. If we could only see that when we release the power of God, the actual physical explosion taking place, if you could get a revelation of that, you will never turn back again. And you'll never want to do stuff in the natural because you know that everything that happens, I want to make a statement, write this down. Everything that happens to you has a direct consequence because of a spiritual issue. Listen to this. Everything that happens to you is a direct consequence of something that has happened in the spirit. Everything. Be careful. Because a lot of us go, well, you know, bad things happen to good people. No, they don't. Let me tell you something. You could walk through this life without having an issue. Listen to me. Without having an issue, if it wasn't for the fact that there was a spiritual involvement somewhere. How many of you know that the Bible says, the heart of man is what? Evil. Every one of us have got an evil streak in us. You go, but I'm born again. I don't care. You still got an evil streak. 
If I put a hundred rand down there, I want to see who's going to leave it there. I'm telling you, somebody's going to go do 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 do. Nobody's going to ask who it is. Scalpies disappear. I'm telling you now, every one of us have got an evil streak. Some of us get very surprised when we still see it. And the Bible is very clear that when we do something, now let me give you one thing that is going to shock you. You will eat, listen to the scripture, you will eat of the lips, from the lips of your mouth. You will eat the fruit of the lips of your mouth. Whatever you say, you're going to have. How many of us have spoken negative stuff? How many of us said that we are sick? Sick and tired? Whatever. I'm not joking. We are confessing stuff and what we don't realize is that God is bringing us up to a place where we actually carry power and authority. So if you want to do that and destroy your life, go ahead. I'm telling you now, I, I have a wife, I've asked and I said to correct me every time I speak negative or do something. I'm telling you, she's a master at it. She's really helping me. No, she's not in a bad way. Good. She says, listen, you're going down that road. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Because it's a habit. We were all brought up like that. Okay. Acts chapter 19. Let's look at one more guy. I love Paul. He did a lot of stuff in the Bible. Right. Acts chapter 19. How many of you would like to know how to get this power going? You want some power in your life? Come on, man. I am so tired of wishy-washy churches. Huh? I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ should not be wishy-washy. We should be declaring stuff, releasing stuff. Uh, You know, genuinely, when we speak, stuff must happen. I want to see the church in operation. Acts chapter 9 verse 11. 19. Where was that? 19 verse 11. What did I say? Nine. Okay, just add a few more. Okay, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Unusual miracles. Now what's an unusual miracle? A guy didn't have an arm, suddenly he got an arm. Come on, that would be unusual. Come on. Miracle money. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, there was unusual stuff happening with these guys. Now, I asked myself, I said to God, God, well, how do I get this power to operate? How do I get this anointing in so intense that it starts flowing and oozing out everywhere? And God didn't answer me straight away on this. And I started looking into the scriptures and I started to see what there are principles in the word, but I never got a clear cut thing. Because all I got was Acts 1 8. You know, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, so the first key is this you need the Holy Spirit, baptism, otherwise you don't have power. So I need to speak in tongues. So anybody who speaks in tongues has got the potential to have the power flowing. But how many people do you know speak in tongues and don't have power? Come on, there's lots. There's lots of Christians who speak in tongues and have absolutely zero power. I mean, listen, when they speak in tongues, it's genuinely like a clanging symbol. It's just like lang, lang, lang. You know there's no authority, there's no weight, there's no nuts there. Okay, I'm going, yes, I don't understand this. God, you're going to have to show me this. And then God started to deal with me and He says, I want you to go look at all of the revivalists, all of the great men of God. Go and see what they used to do when they used to operate in power. Do you know what was something very interesting for me? Is that most of them used to have a minimum of 10 
do 21 day meetings straight after each other without stopping did you know people like Smith Wigglesworth they would not even let you get born again until day number 8 the guys want to get born again he goes no you're not ready yet wait and you keep the guys and you wait and you say, I'm not, no, you can wait, come back tomorrow. And you wait and wait. And you go, okay, now you're ready to get born again, come here. It's almost like a privilege to get born again under these oaks. And I ask God, God, what are you doing? And God says, listen, the way that you allow the power to flow in your life is directly proportional to how much you pray in the Spirit. Number one. Write these down, I'm going to help you now. Directly to the amount that you pray in the Spirit will determine how much power you'll carry. So guess what I did? I remember when I started to practice this, I was at Bible school. And so we are busy sitting and we we a bunch of students and we're busy in the correspondence thing. So we are studying in the foyer of the church. So we've got our desks there and next to us is a little cry room. And we're still there in Harold Road and there's a little cry room there. And so what I decided was, you know, I'm going to practice this. One of these guys said, I never pray more than 15 minutes, but I never let 15 minutes go by without praying. So I decided, sharp, I'm going to practice this. So I studied for 45 minutes, and 15 minutes I went to the prayer room to go pray. Then I studied for 45 minutes, and I go pray. Now you just understand, I'm not talking to anybody. My break time is prayer time. And I'm praying in tongues to come back and I study. So all I got is word anointing, word anointing, word anointing. By the third day, I can't even hear me. I've got so much anointing that I can't even hold the pencil anymore, the pen, you know. And I'm just going, I'm totally saturated. I'm going, God, this is not even funny. Because normally when you minister it's so intense, you've got to release this anointing. I'm releasing nothing. I'm just filling up. And I'm going, and I'm going, God, I can't carry on like this. And God is showing me how much power you are generating when you pray in the Spirit. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. That's a statement. You know, we sit down and we have minimized tongues. We have gone, okay, well, tongues is just a funny little language and we've minimized it. Let me tell you something. If you genuinely start praying in tongues, you are boiling yourself up. But what you are doing is you are activating that dynamo inside of you. And you don't even realize it. And I don't mean this disengaged tongues. I hate this disengaged. You know these guys that almost like a, um, what do they call it? Um, where they mumble all the time. Um, what's this, the, the Eastern religions use it then? Like a mantra. You know, what? Mantra or something, you know? Is it a mantra that, that's just, that they say over and over? Now they sit down and they talk about it. And they just go in tongues all the time. And they just mumble, mumble, mumble. And there's no engaging. Now let me teach you how to engage. You sit down, when you pray in tongues, you sit down and you see God. Or you have a picture in your mind of something. You see God and you start praying in tongues. And you, or you see the power of God hitting the building. Or you see something in the spirit because you're actually concentrating on something. When you do that, I promise you, your spirit man builds up very quickly. Don't just go and talk in tongues and do nothing. Pray in tongues and just get a picture in your mind of something. Whether it be God on the throne, or whether it be the power of God, or whether you see somebody that you're praying for getting set free, whatever it is. And when you do that, you are busy building yourself up. And then, I want to challenge you to do this daily. 
Take it at a minimum of an hour a day that you can set aside to go and pray in tongues. You go, I don't have an hour a day. Well, let me tell you something. If I switch off your DSTV, it's amazing how much time you suddenly have. It's awesome what happens when that TV goes away. You take an hour a day, and I promise you, you might not realize it in day one or day two or day three. Let me tell you, after a few weeks, somebody's going to go to you, you're different. There's something different about you, or there's something when you walk in, there's something changes around you. I want to tell you, the more that I get into the presence of God, the stronger that flow becomes. I want to tell you it's true. When I have meetings that run 10 days, I promise you by the 10th day, I don't have to work up an anointing, I just rock up. I don't have to sit down and pray for hours. I eventually am just so into the flow, in fact it gets so strong that I can't even sleep at night. Now that doesn't make me special, it just makes me, hey, I'm smart. I learned the trick. I'm no different from anybody else. I said, God, I'm going to get this thing and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to let the power of God flow. And I'm going to learn how to do this. Because I want to see people set free. It's not about being a big shot. It is about breaking the bondages off and saying, devil, I am here for a reason. I've got a purpose. And you are not going to keep these people in bondage anymore. I'm going to break that thing off them forever. That they will never have it again so that they can go live a holy life and a godly life. See, that is what church is about. So I decided, man, I'm going to discover this lot. And I did. And I pushed in there. And I prayed like that. And I started to push it. I remember nights where I'd sit down and go and pray every single night. I'd go to the youth center and I'd go pray for an hour in the spirit. In fact, that's where I met my wife. After one of those prayer meetings in the middle of the week somewhere, she was visiting somebody and I walked up to the prayer meeting and there's Janine. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, if I wasn't spiritual... <laughs> But listen, we need to get serious with God. We need to get serious as a church. You know what's happening is this, is the church of Jesus Christ is not serious anymore. We are not serious anymore. I remember the days, and I've mentioned this before, we used to have prayer meetings at my dad's house every single Monday night. Oaks used to travel from everywhere to come and pray. And those oaks could but through. This was not a thing of mumble, mumble in your eyebrows and, you know, oh God, we're so humble. Yes, look, they had the gift of the gab and they had the gift of continuation too. I mean, I was just a young oak and they just oaks through, just never stop. But the point is, they were earnest. I remember Pastor Crompton's mother. I'm telling you, you go visit there on holiday, you didn't have a chance, my man, at least three meetings a day. Every day. You're on holiday, you want to go trolling? Come, let's pray. She eats some false note on the piano. Ah, broer. Hour and a half. You would have a bit, broer. We sit down and we look at that and think it's radical. But let me tell you something. They saw power. They saw results. They saw miracles. Why? Because they carried the power of Jesus Christ. They allowed that dynamo power to be released. Let me tell you something. When Auntie Kathy prayed for you, you better believe something happens. And right up until the last time that I saw her, her last time that she saw me, she still grabbed my hands and she says, Arthur, I'm still praying for revival for this city. I ask you to go and push in so that you can help bring it in. Those were her last words to me that I spoke to her. Because she was a tiny for revival, Lamont. She prayed revival forever. And she, her biggest prayer was, God, can I still be here when it comes? <laughs> 
But the only way that this real revival takes place is when every single person releases the power in that they have. I've got the power, you've got the power, you've got the power. If we don't do this, we are not going to see anything. If you're going to do things the way the world's going, you're going to get the same results. So how do I release the power in my life? Here we go. Number one, I said you pray in the Spirit. And I mean properly. Number two, here it is. Release a rhema word from your spirit. What do I mean by that? Every scripture that has a revelation in your heart, when you speak that word out, it's going to go out with power. Remember Jesus Christ, when He healed people, He did not heal people on a rhema word. He always re-healed on a logos. Okay, you can't transfer a rhema. What does it mean? I can't transfer a revelation to you. Let me give you an example. God gives me a revelation of one scripture. Okay? It does not mean that you're going to, if I tell you about it, and you're going to go, oh wow, that's exciting. How many times have you heard someone that's so excited about something, and you go, that means nothing to me. Come on, let's be honest. You see this oak, and you're going, what are you getting so excited about? It means nothing to me. Why? Because it's a raiment to him, not to me. You understand? He can't transfer that to me. He can transfer it as Logos. Logos is just information. So he gives it to me as Logos. But what happens is this, is when you get Logos in your heart, and it becomes a rhema. In other words, I get a revelation, I read something. When I release that word from a revelation in my spirit, I'm releasing Logos with power. It's important you get this. I'm not just releasing any scripture. I'm not releasing anything. I am releasing something that I've got a revelation on. Let me give you an example. In my life, I have a revelation of my authority in Christ. No devil in hell scares me at all. Nothing. I'm not joking. This, I mean, I used to go and drink coffee with the Satanist high priest in Beeman. I have no problem when it comes to that. I have other areas that I don't have a revelation in yet. So doesn't, don't think now I've got it all sorted. I've got one area. One thing. So what do I do? When I sit down and I speak to any demon, that demon knows that I have authority and power and, and everything connected with it. And faith, all done. Why? Because I've released it with a revelation word. Are you guys with me? So what we've got to do is this, is you've got to get a revelation. When you get a revelation of something, remember that you need a revelation for your faith to work, and you need a revelation for power to work. Okay? So I get revelation, and when I get revelation, I release it as a Logos word, a spoken word, and that comes with power. So any person... Who's, let's take a guy who's healing. Let's say Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman had a revelation of healing. John G. Lake had a revelation of healing. Do you know why John G. Lake was so famous? Do you know what made him so strong in the healing area? Because all his family died. Every one of his sisters and family, all of them were dying. And he got so desperate with everybody dying, he says, I better find a cure. There wasn't like lack of hospitals and that, you know. But those days, it was God or dead. 
And so he goes and he says, God, you've got to help me with this. And he traveled and he started to sit on the men of God until he got a revelation of healing. When he got a revelation and saw his sister get healed, he said, that's it. After that, he pushed in with power and he said, I'm going to bring revival. That's why he rocks up in Africa and they said, the plague's going to kill you. He goes, man, the plague's not going to do nothing to this oak. I've got such power over this. The devil, you will bow your knees. When we just read the plague story and go, wow, John G. Lake's so big mouth. Look at the power that he's operating on. No, it didn't start there. It started when he got a revelation. It started when something happened in his family. You go read Catherine Kuhlman, you'll see the same thing. There's a revelation that takes place. And when they've got the revelation of this thing, they release the power and nothing stops it. So I want to challenge us, every area of our life, we need to get the revelation. And once we've got it, we can release the power. How do I have that that dynamo spinning up? I pray in the Spirit. It's very simple. So pray in the Spirit as much as you can every day, concertively and consistently. And saying, God, I'm going to pray at least one hour in the Spirit when nothing else is happening. And then, God, I'm going to get a revelation. And when I get a revelation, I'm going to release it. You see, once I started doing that, I said, God, give me a revelation of things. I needed a revelation of certain things. Do you know, God gave me a revelation. Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. That's my scripture that started it all. After that, I saw no devil in hell is going to bow down to this. And do you know what happened? Once I started getting a revelation of the power operating in my life, I started sitting down saying, God, how do I build this? I could physically build the level of power that I'm going to flow in. Why? Because I push in harder with God and then it flows. Other times I don't push in and I don't feel it. How did Jesus do it? Every night you separate himself and go to the Father. Go and pray. Go pray. And you know, and then Jesus will still rebuke the disciples. Hey, you guys can't even pray an hour. What's wrong with you? You know, but the point is this if we want a spiritual church that is powerful, we better start paying the price to get it there. Okay? This is not messing around. I want to challenge you. You might be the only person in your family doing this. You might be the only person in your church doing this. They say the average time that the pastor, the average, though this is averages, of pastors preparing a message is four minutes in prayer. The rest is on internet. That's the average of pastors preparing. What type of power are you going to produce in four minutes? What type of authority are you going to carry in four minutes? You see, you want a guy when he walks into the building that the whole place just... There's something here. Don't miss. God's in the place. Doesn't matter whether they sing or don't sing. Doesn't matter what's happening. But when the presence of God comes in... Now, what brings that in? I'm telling you, it's those hours in the closet. It's those times of prayer. Understanding the revelational word that you have. Is this helping you? Right? So I want to challenge us to do this, each one of us. Because when we get together and we release the power of God, I promise you, we are going to see some of the most powerful things happen in this city that we haven't seen for years. And some of us have never seen it before. In Jesus' name. Let's pray.